0: Uh, what is nothing? Hey, now that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? What is something? That's deep, bro. Socks. deep, bro. Serious questions with silly people. I'm your host, Christina P. Still trying it out, guys. I don't, I don't know how I feel about it. I'm trying it out. Christina P. P. Uh, I've added a lot of new shows in the next um, like week or so. Um, working out my hour. If you guys want to come see me do a full hour stand up, I'm doing a bunch of stuff in L.A. Uh, March 8th, 8 p.m. I'm at the Improv Lab. That's the small room next to the main room. Uh, Mar- eight o'clock show, March 9th, eight o'clock show at the Comedy Store. I'm just doing a little spotty spot with my friends Marilyn Rice, Cub, Joe Rogan, Greg Fitzsimmons, and more. It's a fundraiser for um for a children's school. March tenth, eight p.m. show. I'm headlining the Ice House in Pasadena. Come see me at the Ice House in Pasadena. Eight o'clock show, March thirteenth. I am doing a delightful afternoon. At Flappers Comedy Club, 4.30 p.m. show. How funny is that, right? I kinda like that. Cause then, you know, it's like it, that's a Sunday. Why do you want to be out late? I never understood the people that are like, let's rage on a Sunday. That's that's the Lord's Day. You know what I'm saying? You know, you know, you know. Yeah. Okay, March 15th. This is the uh this is the biggie. So March 15th, 8 p.m. show. I'm at the Brea Improv. Brea. Improv March 15th, 8 p.m. Come see me. And then I headline Flappers, the main room, Flappers Comedy Club in Burbank, April 1st and 2nd. And then Ventura Comedy Club, April 20th, 8 p.m. show. Ventura Ventura Harbor Comedy Club. Get your tickets there. May 27th through 28th. I'm at the comedy store in La Jolla, La Jolla, California. There you go. You can get those tickets at thousandranch.com. Uh, that's why I have links up for everything. Also, hey now, do you shop on Amazon? I know you do because you're smart and you listen to the show. Uh, can, every time you do your shopping on Amazon, I just ask that you use my banner on thatseabropodcast.com. You just click on the little square that says Amazon, and then it takes you to Amazon.com. You do your shopping as you normally would. It just kicks back some some change to the show. There. Business Twitter at Christina P Instagram uh, Christina P A Z Ugh. Okay, are we done yet? <laughs> oh, that's exhausting. So, my subject, my topic today is uh, perfectionism, because I really, I mean, I really got an overwhelming response from you, the listeners. On the last week's topic of self hatred. I mean, I, whew, I had no idea that this would be something um so mage so major that it really resonated with you guys. I'm gonna read some of the emails that I got and um you know what? Let's just kind of do self hatred part two with uh with a little bit of it's kissing cousin perfectionism thrown in. because um, those two are totally related. And they're horrible. Oh, it's fucking horrible, man. Horrible man. There you go. So this is it. This is my last that's deep bro from the studio. That uh I've been I've been coming to the studio. We live by the beach and that is going to end. We're going back to LA, man. And this is my last show in the studio that has been horrible, actually. I don't know if I've talked about it on this show, but oh, uh, we have a Pilates studio downstairs. Um, And then a woman next door who does all her phone calls exclusively on speakerphone. Isn't that neat? When somebody thinks that everybody else wants to hear every detail of their conversations. Not only that, she also has like cowbells on her door. So every time somebody comes or goes, ding, 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 clickle, clackle, clickle, clackle, the whole floor gets to hear it really kind of um, kind of a classic a-hole move. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, there you go. That's what's happening in my life. Alright, man. Let's get it going. You know, I've just I was in such a good mood this morning when I woke up. I was listening to the Pixies and I thought oh, this is a good song. This is such a good song. It's just a good song. Does not does it apply? I don't know. Here we go. Okay. Bye.
1: building on west 81st street on the 11th floor my name is patrick bateman i'm 27 years old i believe in taking care of myself in a balanced diet and a rigorous exercise routine in the morning if my face is a little puffy i'll put on an ice pack while doing my stomach crunches i can do a thousand now I use a deep pore cleanser lotion. In the shower, I use a water-activated gel cleanser. Then a honey almond body scrub. And on the face, an exfoliating gel scrub. Then I apply an herb mint facial mask which I leave on for 10 minutes while I prepare the rest of my routine. I always use an aftershave lotion with little or no alcohol because alcohol dries your face out and makes you look older. Then moisturizer. Then an anti-aging eye balm followed by a final moisturizing protective lotion. There is an idea of a Patrick Bateman. Some kind of abstraction. But there is no real me, only an entity, something illusory. And though I can hide my cold gaze, and you can shake my hand and feel flesh gripping yours, and maybe you can even sense our lifestyles are probably comparable, I simply am not there.
0: (sighs) Who doesn't relate to that, huh? Isn't that your morning routine, too? Uh, of course, that is American Psycho. All roads lead to American Psycho for me. I, that movie—it's—it's it's so funny. Every time this movie is on, I have to stop what I'm doing and watch it, because uh, Christian Bale is am- amazed. The—it's the, so funny. The show, the show, the the movie is so funny to me. Um, come on, it's—it's it's Dorcia. Everything. It's ridiculous. It's the yuppies of the '80s, the extreme uh, yuppieism, consumerism emptiness of of the 80s and where better to place the story of a of a psychopath than than that time in our <laughs> in our culture um but there you go patrick bateman uh the ideal he's a he's a perfectionist it looks like and i don't know if he's any happier for it i don't think anybody really is i think it doesn't it turn into a horrible trap of its own <laughs> trying to stay perfect um in fact, this podcast, you know, I, I, it's chaos moving. And I was like, you know, I really should sit down and, and outline this episode out like I normally do. I actually kind of sit down and I know where I'm going to go and what I'm going to say. And I thought, you know what? I'm doing it on perfectionism. Maybe I'm going to wing it a little bit more than I normally do. So I'm going to try to not be so perfect with my podcast. Cause in the past, I don't even, you guys don't know this. You don't know this about me, but you know, the first, I don't know, few of these, 10 of these are, I was really, uh, nerve wrackingly trying to get it perfect. I gotta be smart. I gotta know all my shit. I gotta sound funny and, and interesting and this and that and this and that. And, um, I think eventually you, it's so exhausting I had to think about everything I was saying and blah, blah, blah. Ugh. I can't do it. And I think, I think actually podcasting has taught me a lot about letting go of perfectionism because doing your mom's house, doing that's deep, bro, you know, you feel you do so many hours of this, of just talking, and um, it's not always perfect. And you, I say things that I don't even remember. Like people will tweet, oh, you said this funny thing. Or I'm like, I have no idea, dude. You just, I have to let it go into the ethers. It's a stream of consciousness thing. And I, it's, it's, really let, it's really let me cut, cut me some slack. Let me cut, was that even a sentence? Ay yi yi. It's helped me cut myself some slack. That was English. Remot- remotely? English, okay. Um, no, but seriously, podcasting uh, because I do so many episodes of things kind of helps me let go of that um, perfectionism, you know. And I and I know some podcasters like to go back and edit down their episodes, edit out the ums or oh, there's a lull, let's get that out. And um, I, I was never that bad with it, but I don't know. I like to let the chips fall. And I think maybe being a stand-up. I'm a little comfortable with... I like being imperfect with stand-up. I think that's the best. I mean, don't you love going to a stand-up comedy show and and seeing something surprising happen? In fact, those are the most um, engaging moments in somebody's act when things fall apart and the joke didn't work. And, you know, the drunk in the front row is calling you fat, and now you have to go off book. (laughs) I love those moments um, in stand-up, the chaos of them. And actually, now that I think about it, I recorded my last CD, Man of the Year. I I recorded it twice because I did it in D.C. Um, And I remember there was a scene, scene, a part of my act where I talk about getting into fights I got into a fight with this black girl, Rosina Johnson, which will air by the way on Ari Shafir's, this is not happening on comedy central pretty soon. I think it's coming up this season. Um, but anyway, I was telling the story of getting into fights in public school in the nineties and some drunk bitch was rattling off. And I just, you know, told her to shut up like I normally do. And she lost her load on me cause she was hammered. And, um, I had her thrown out of the club And she threw a shot glass at me at the stage. and Which, by the way, (laughs) very few occupations do people throw glasses at you. Uh, But to me, it was normal at the time. I was like, oh, yeah, it's not the first time that's happened, by the way. I've had beer bottles thrown at me very early in my career. But um, anyway, that happened during the recording. And I remember my instinct initially was like, oh, this is great. This is going to be so great on the CD, this catastrophic moment. Um, blah, blah, blah. And then I kind of chickened out at the last moment because I realized what's great in the moment, uh, sometimes not so great on comedy CDs necessarily. People don't really, you kind of need to be there to see what happened. Um, but yeah, imperfection and the perfectionist in me. Guess what I did? I re recorded the CD in LA in Pasadena. That's, that's how neurotic I was about getting everything just right. So, hey, am I perfect? No, uh, still struggle with it. But yeah, there we go. And there I am with it today. I will tell you what has helped me let go of a lot of self-criticism and you know, uh that is having a kid because boy, I tell you, you don't you don't have time to even think about yourself as much. I, I I mean, when I think about now the amount of time I would just sit around um just thinking <laughs> just thinking about myself. I really don't have that luxury right now, and it's kind of a good thing. Kind of thankful because uh, I don't really, I don't really take those thoughts to a positive direction. <laughs> I feel like I sit there going, "Like God, you're amazing, Christina. What a great job you did today. Uh, you're doing things right. Everything's awesome. Like you're so skinny. <laughs> you're so <laughs> hair looks amazing. God, your skin is so." so youthful and vibrant. Like I don't think those thoughts, um, I don't think most of us do. And judging by our emails that I got from the last episode of self-hatred, we share, um, a, a, a love of self-loathing. I will call it that. I had no idea that so many of you totally resonated with that topic. Um, yeah, it's so, it's, it's, a uh, it's, it's alarming. I didn't know it's, but I want to share these emails with you and I wanted to kind of continue the dialogue because I think it's helpful. I think even getting these emails and reading them and understanding that I'm not alone. And then it's kind of part of the human condition, the self-loathing stuff. Um, it, I, it appears to just be kind of hardwired there. I, I, unless you're a bateman. <laughs> Patrick Bateman, not Jason Bateman Patrick Bateman Jason Bateman was from the 80s is That I- oh he's on um, that other show uh, that everybody loves Arrested Development <laughs> but yeah, I mean look do you know anybody that's like I love myself, I'm amazing you do, but those people are fucking psychopaths most of us don't go around saying how amazing we are and those of us that do wah, 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 are uh, successful comedians on sitcoms. Okay, no, here we go. Uh, let me read one. I'm, um, let's start here. I'm, I don't want to say names of people. I don't feel like that's fair unless you tell me to do so. I will not. So here we go. Hey, Mommy. I've dealt with self-loathing for the majority, if not all of my life. I'm currently 34. In my early 20s. After getting out of the army, I tried all sorts of remedies to get my negative feelings under control. I had just injured my back on medical discharge, and it's a huge hit to go from being really athletic to barely able to walk down the hallways at the hospital. I tried meditation and every other thing that said it would help with self-depression slash self-loathing. I ended up going with alcohol. Yeah, man. (laughs) That's, yeah. You know... I realized that I drank a lot more before I got preggers. Now it's like not even worth it to drink because I got to wake up all night and breastfeed and all this and that. But I loved alcohol. I drank a lot and I think it made me fat. (laughs) It made me fat and more depressed. Like the temporary fix is awesome, but it's like not even worth it anymore. Especially past the age of 30 when you can't metabolize that stuff. And then just turns into fat and it makes you sluggish and tired the next day. You know, like, what was I trying to... Ah, oh, shit, sorry. <laughs> oh, guess what, guys? The Firefox 44.02 uh, update is available. I'm so glad that this has notified me. Thank you, computer. <sighs> okay. Alcohol. Yeah, kind of not worth it now. Okay, anyway. So he ended up going with alcohol. It says, uh, this fucked me up even more. I was paralyzed. I was paralyzed with fear of failure and even more importantly, fear of success. Oh, hell yeah. I started taking anti-anxiety slash depression meds. There we go. That's our our do our dyad. That's two, right? Anxiety and depression. I think we should also add in perfectionism to make it a perfect triad on that steep bro <laughs> what we all feel. Anxiety, depression and perfectionism anyway he started taking these meds they did their job for sure they worked well enough to where i wanted to come off of them in order to have my full range of feelings back that's cool the only tactic i have found to battle self-hatred is taking myself less seriously hmm. i'm better at letting myself off the hook for little fuck-ups such as the example you use with tying your shoes i try to think okay, buddy, pay attention. This is definitely not the end of the world. I stop and think of someone else reacting like that. And that's usually enough for me to be like, I think I'm overreacting. Self-compassion and just being aware of how you are reacting and why can be a great way to get these feen- types of feelings under control. One thing that helped was volunteering. Oof. Feeling like I was contributing to the world and not just plugging away at a job I hate. It gave me Back the confidence I needed to move on from my rut and find a job that was meaningful to me. For those out there with these same issues, just be patient with yourself. You don't have to force love upon yourself. Consider things you can, can't change in your life. You bang your head on the desk, sitting up from plugging in your your charger. Fuck, yeah, it sucks. Is it the end of the world? Probably not. Anything you can do to change it? Probably not. (laughs) It may even make you more mindful of it next time. Give yourself a break. You deserve it. Hey, now, that's a great email. Uh, And isn't that interesting um, what he says about just being compassionate? You know, even though, even since last week, like uh, discussing the idea, just the very idea of being compassionate towards oneself and looking at oneself as an objective other. um, Like, I kind of tried to start doing that this week. Um, just really monitoring my self talk and going like, oh, that was bad, dude. Like, you know, I mean, like I, I'm a I'm chunkier now because I just had a kid and it sucks. Like my body's I'm so fat and out of whack and um but I'm aware listen, don't email me and tell me that you're not fat, you had a baby. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But um it's a process to get back down to where I was. And it's really hard for me not to look in the mirror and just chastise myself um, for that month of just eating Carl's Jr. Western bacon cheeseburgers. You know, um, it's hard. And and to constantly find the idea of compassion, I keep going back to it this week, and it's been really helpful. Just the idea of it, seriously. Just going, hey, what if I tried that today? What if I just (laughs) tried to not... Um, follow this brain of mine down the rabbit hole. Because when you think about it, dude, it's just your brain chattering. That's all it does, right? Like, uh, you know, you're conscious, which separates us from the animals and makes us superior. Yeah, right. And we talk to ourselves all day. That's what your brain does. It chatters. And here's the incessant part is that it comes up with ideas and then it counters them. <laughs> so not only are you bringing up a problem in your brain, You're trying to solve it with the same brain that's fear-based, most of us, that's scared, that's full of anxiety and depression and perfectionism. You know what I mean? Like when you're like, uh, okay, here, for instance, God, I'm so fucking fat. Jesus Christ, I'm so fucking, I'm a disgusting animal. No, you're not. Don't say that. Okay, you are. Yeah, you know what you should do? Just stop eating. You should just totally stop eating. No, you can't do that. That's that's sick. Don't even do that. Why don't you go to the gym? Well, I can't because I'm too fucking tired. You're just going to stay fat forever. Like I get these thoughts and it's silly because it's just your dumb brain answering the premise that your brain came up with. And I think once you understand that your brain is just talking to your brain, kind of that kind of helps to detach um, from the actual dialogue of what's happening because it's not saying... <laughs> or it just it's just the chatterbox and that meditation stuff I agree like I I went heavy into meditation and self-help in the last year and then um when I think stuff just happened that kind of really not broke me down but just cracked me open and I and I couldn't be solved with meditation um like that stuff's great on a daily basis to maintain your shit I definitely I don't t- I I totally advocate doing these things but when Oh Christ! Here comes the neighbor. When shit hits the fan, you know it's not going to be enough. It's sometimes not enough to just meditate and uh, do your affirmations and think good thoughts uh, when your world kind of falls to pieces, like it did for this gentleman who wrote in. But um, self compassion, dude, just awareness of the of the chatter. I think is the, the huge thing. And volunteering—that's an interesting idea. Uh, really kind of neat. That's the one thing I do regret. I used to do it in high school, and I wish I had more time to do now, and that is something I definitely would love to go back to. I would love to help other people. Not the old ones. I volunteered for old people before, and that is disgusting. You know, retirement homes are, are just, they're smelly and gross. Um, I'm sure I've told the story before, but I had to, my friend Sean and I, we volunteered in high school at an old folks home, had to change a hundred year old woman for her birthday party and her tit was hanging out of her bra and we had to, I didn't scoop it back in. We were supposed to scoop it back in and put it in the bra. We didn't do that. We just let her tit hang out, (sighs) put her dress on over it. (laughs) I'm a bad person, but you know, nah, not old folks, maybe like homeless people or homeless people suck too. You know, I used to give sandwiches to them. I volunteered doing that before in high school too. You know, you wake up at five in the morning and you make sandwiches for homeless people and you hand them out. A lot of times they're they're not very thankful. You know, that kind of bothers me too. Uh, They complain about the sandwich you gave them, you know. But in all fairness, they weren't great sandwiches. I remember one time they just had us put like shaky cheese and butter on bread and give it to people. I was like, dude, I wouldn't fucking eat this if I were homeless. Better get your life. Can't give no homeless people no shaky cheese on toast. But the idea of contributing to the world and not just plugging away at something you hate I think is really, really key to get out of yourself. Um, yeah. Even doing this show gives me a sense of, of purpose and meaning. And I, I love that this this is kind of a dialogue between you guys, between me. Uh, we're sharing it. It's good. It's fucking good. Patience with yourself. That's something I struggle with constantly. I like things to be done now, 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 better, bigger, I'm good now. Because I don't like feelings. I don't like uncomfortable feelings. Oh, aren't they the worst? (laughs) Feelings are the worst. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Let's see. What else do we have? Oh, hey. So the person that wrote in uh, that prompted this wrote back to me. So I thought I would share that with you. Uh, she writes, Hey, main mommy. That's right. I'm the main mommy. Thanks for all your kind words and your no nonsense perspective. Yes. Like Dr. Laura. Um, anyway, she writes, I did find a therapist and she, she specializes in self-compassion. So right in line with what you were talking about. I'm seeing her every week. Great. And so far it's been good. Great. She writes, maybe I hate myself a cunt hair less than last month. Oh, I love that phrase. I forget that phrase, cunt hair, and I like it. I don't know, but I'm trying to enjoy the process and dig deep. I really want to know where this comes from and how I can move into my 40s with a bit more self-understanding. Ooh, yeah, that's fucking awesome. Do it, girl. Get in there, man. Get in there. I love it. All right, let's see this one. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I gotta find this other one. Okay, here's the other one. Here's the other one. Um. Okay. How did you know this is from another email? Or how did you know that I so badly needed your podcast on self-hater this morning? I've been going through the process of transitioning jobs, and it is very hard for me. There are too many unknowns, and I feel like I am letting everyone down and feeling badly about myself. So much uncertainty with transition always brings my depression and anxiety to the surface. And uh, she writes, today I booked an appointment with a therapist and ordered some adult coloring books. Yes. And gel pens on Amazon with my banner. Thank you. Because I because I heard coloring is therapeutic. Dude, it kind of is. Like um uh one time I got fired and I went and just bought a bunch of coloring books. I, I, I haven't had time to do them lately, but I really love coloring. It's it's really good. So yeah, I, I too suffer with depression anxiety during transitions. That is one of my big problems. Um, why? Well, because I have the perfectionism gene. I have the the perfectionist in me that doesn't like things to be out of control, uh, that wants everything to be just right. And um, I don't ever worry about letting other people down. Maybe that's because I'm more narcissistic than you are. In my mind, I'm like, ah, fuck other people. <laughs> Suck it. But that's nice that you're type of person thinks about letting, um, others down. It's not bad. That's yeah. I I never care about other people. I'm worst. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I really struggle with, um, transition too. Uh, I think who doesn't, I think we all do. And I think some of us, the ones of us that are the ones of us, those of us that are better with transition from what my shrink tells me, uh, had a, uh, more stable attachments to their parents growing up <laughs> and were, and were um, shown that change is okay and that you're safe and the world won't end. So, you know, some of us didn't get that. So it's normal. It's totally normal. And, and don't worry, you're not letting anybody else down, and I'll tell you why. Mm, and this doesn't... I don't mean to be sardonic or, or snarky about this, but most people... Most people are so self-involved, and I mean this in a positive way, are so self-involved that they don't really notice what's happening with you. Um, Just because we're all so caught up in our own melodramas that other people's dramas kind of like enter your consciousness for a few seconds and then drift out, you know? So that's kind of a comforting thought, I think. Isn't it comforting to know that nobody really gives a shit? (laughs) <laughs> they do. I mean, they care for you. It's just like they're not obsessing over it the way you are. Like, oh, my God, can you believe Sally? She's really letting us all down. Look at her. Look how she's struggling with transition and change. No. So don't worry. Okay, so let's look up perfectionism. I love to Wikipedia things. I think it's an, it's an it's amazing that you can just Wikipedia anything now. <laughs> Okay, here we go. Perfectionism in psychology is a personality trait characterized by a person striving for flawlessness and setting excessively high performance standard accompanied by overly critical self-evaluations. Yes, check. And concerns regarding others' evaluations. Check. It is best conceptualized as a multidimensional characteristic. As psychologists agree, there are many positive and negative aspects. Yeah, I mean, look, is it so bad to want to be good at stuff? No, dude. I mean, if you look at athletes, most of them are perfectionists. You look at that Tiger Woods. I know now he's he's in a slump. Or, like, look at me talking like I know. <laughs> I, heard on, I heard on some radio station he's going through some time, but hard time. Uh, but the amount of perfectionism involved in being an athlete, I mean, I can only wrap my head around it. Comedians have it too. But not like an athlete, dude. That's some fucking crazy shit. Yeah, You, you got to be. You got be, to be to be the best. So in its positive form, it helps you be good at golf. Um, in its negative form, maladaptive form, it says perfectionism drives people to attempt to achieve an unattainable ideal. Ooh. Oh, Christ. When perfectionists do not reach their goals, they often fall into depression yeah and i often fall prey to the idea that uh if i if i work hard enough it'll happen and i'm responsible (laughs) for the outcomes of everything right if i if i just do this over and over and if i do it right eventually things will turn out perfect and that's just not that's not how it goes right Perfectionists strain compulsively and unceasingly toward unattainable goals and measure their self-worth by productivity and accomplishment. Pressuring oneself to achieve unrealistic goals inevitably sets the person up for disappointment. Perfectionists tend to be harsh critics of themselves when they fail to meet their standards. Yes, absolutely. Holy shit. Yeah, this person's been inside my brain. Yeah. And I got to tell you, this is a weird thing uh, that's happened to me. But, uh, you know, since my mom died, it kind of threw a wrench in me being a perfectionist for a number of reasons. Number one, I think I was trying to prove something to mom, right? Trying to prove to her that I was perfect and good and successful and this and that. And, uh, you know, when mom's gone... It kind of drained me of my will to be a perfectionist, so I'm kind of having to motivate from a different place these days and it's it's a better place it's a better place, so I don't know. I invite you to maybe look where where is it coming from, and I know a lot of us with the self hatred issue also lean towards perfectionism. Who are we trying to please? <laughs> You know, is it really, I don't know if it, is it just for you? I don't think so. I think there's some parent or some, something we're trying to, uh, to make ourselves feel better about, uh, anyways. Okay. So there's normal versus neurotic perfectionism. Okay. Normal perfectionists are more inclined to pursue perfection without compromising their self-esteem. <laughs> What's that like? And derive pleasure from their efforts. Pfft, never. Can I tell you something? I the every time I did something that was like worthy of praise, I I never listened to it. I'd be like, Yeah, but no. I never derived pleasure from efforts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it always compromised my self esteem. Everything I did, ugh. Well, here we go. Neurotic perfectionists are prone to strive for unrealistic goals. Yes, and feel dissatisfied when they cannot reach them. Hey, Machek which is the name of this person who writes about this, Hamachek hey, offers several strategies that have proven useful in helping people change from maladaptive towards healthier behavior. Okay. All right. Um, Active and passive perfectionism, positive and negative perfectionism, Adaptive, maladaptive, oh, Jesus Christ. Some researchers contend the levels of perfectionism are significantly different across different domains, i.e. work, academic, sport, interpersonal relationships, home life. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. Um, Some other people say that normal versus neurotic perfectionism... Th- those terms shouldn't be called that and they hold that perfectionist desire, perfection and fear, imperfection and feel that other people will like them only if they are perfect. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. Okay. Sorry, I'm reading this now as I should I should prepare it. See, there's a perfectionist in me. This person argues that perfectionism should be distinguished from striving for excellence in particular with regard to the meaning given to mistakes. Those who strive for excellence can take mistakes, imperfections, as incentive to work harder. Unhealthy perfectionists consider their mistake a sign of personal defects. Totally. For these people, anxiety about potential failure is the reason perfectionism is felt as a burden. Oh, my God. Yeah, see, that's interesting. Yeah, I think I was so afraid of being a loser for so many years that that was my motivation for doing stuff. (sighs) And that sucks because then everything you do or don't do... Like affects your sense of self and your self-esteem. That's the danger of perfectionism: is that it hinges on, "Am I good or am I bad? Did I do it? Did I not do it?" Ugh! And it's up and it's down and it's external based, externally based um, your self worth, and that is horrible and depressing. Oh my god! Ugh! What a nightmare! All right. So, what's the solution? because all of this stuff leads to neuroses and personality disorders and narcissism and depression, right? All of this perfectionism which I think a lot of us carry with us. Well, guess what, guys? The only treatment is therapy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Figuring out why you're doing this stuff to yourself, journaling a bunch, I guess, self-monitoring and honesty with yourself. Yeah. There you go. So the really I mean look, there's no way around this stuff. Um I guess the only way is to be cognizant of all of this, right? Because we can't uh you can't solve it. Um never gonna happen. The only thing you can do is manage it. And I was watching the show called like the Preachers of Atlanta or something on um Oprah's network, not the own one. Uh I can I can't remember. Anyway, Oxygen. And uh God, it was this great moment where this preacher was talking about fatherless sons in Atlanta. And this one man stood up and he's like, you know, my dad abandoned me. And he started crying and it was like this sad moment. And the entire congregation like laid hands on him. Like, I'm not super religious, as you guys know, but um, it was kind of a nice moment in that show the idea behind it being like, look, we can't take away your suffering, we can't take away whatever stuff you're going through, but we can kind of pray for you. And everyone stood around this dude and like prayed for him. And there is something to that of of having a witness to your to your suffering, of expressing whatever it is inside of you that the darkness, the ugliness inside of you. And allowing someone else to lay hands on it kind of thing. And I'm not talking like a religious context. Um, like, you know, my husband and I are pretty good at expressing our self-loathing stuff to each other in a in a funnier, in a comedic fashion. Um, and it helps. It really, really helps. Just to express it to somebody else. But be careful, because not everybody can handle it. I've, I've tried joking uh, to other people about being fat right now. <laughs> they get really concerned for me. Like, oh, Christina, you're not. You just had a baby. Don't mind. I'm like, no, no, no. That's not the point. The point is just to get it out and make fun of myself so that I can take the pressure off of me. Do you understand? If I'm able to mock it, then it, it creates some space between the sadness and the the heaviness, right? Of it. That's what it it's always functioned for me as kind of a buffer. So if you have a friend that you can lay hands with um about this stuff, I think that really really helps um, yeah, I really liked that moment that was such a that was such a sweet little show. okay, what other notes did I have? I did write down some stuff um yeah, sing yourself against the other person, oh, don't isolate, I do that a lot oh boy i'm I'm trying not to and and with this move um part of it was because we're so isolated down here and i I miss our friends. I want to see my friends more than I have been in the last few years. So I'm actually reaching out. Ugh, it sounds so tacky, but I am. Um, oh, and a friend of mine, we were having lunch, and he brought up this really neat theory about fear. So so the idea is uh, fear is a primal thing in human beings. And back in the day when we were in caves and discovering fire and eating berries, and on the paleo diet. We were sitting around and we were afraid of animals attacking us and we had the fight-or-flight response fear. And it was attributed to animals, eating your young, eating you, dying, death, imminent, all the time. Humans have that hardwired into us all the time, right? And then came uh, industrialization, modernization, uh, machines, Weapons all everything you name it, and now we have this hard wiring for fear, and it's displaced it's it's gotten nowhere to go, which explains why we have anxiety right because it's there's just this charge in us that has nowhere to go, and which is why people enjoy things like scary movies or um daring things like i don't know bungee jumping or stand-up comedy or anything that poses a threat to your being because it kind of it it, get, it discharges that thing of 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 primal fear isn't that interesting i find that to be really interesting and that's why we have anxiety and we get anxiety about shit that doesn't matter and doesn't actually threaten your existence because it's hardwired into us so the next time you have anxiety about something seemingly silly like a phone call or a meeting or a dentist or whatever the heck it is, just remember it's in your primal way of your, your human DNA to be wired for fear and anxiety. Anyway, I thought that was a neat little tidbit that I wanted to share with you guys because it was relevant to our, our triad of anxiety, depression, and perfectionism. There you go. Shit's not great when it's perfect, now that I think about it. Um, Yeah, what have you enjoyed that's perfect? Never. It's always the imperfections that people like, people uh, resonate with, are imperfections. Never the perfect. I think that's why, um, you know, like when you look at actors or whoever, I, I miss the days when people looked like people on television and in the movies. Remember when people had imperfections in their faces and, and their teeth weren't perfect and their boobs weren't gargantuanly modified. <laughs> people didn't have veneers up until the last decade. And by the way, not everybody has great ones. Uh, those big old donkey teeth that most people get. The white, white, white celebrity billboard Steve Harvey's. Like, dude, dial it back, bro. Go for a natty look, natural. And if you're going to do veneers, do the bottoms. Don't be a cheap ass and just do the top row. Motherfucker, because everybody can see them. Everybody can see those veneers. Uh, but I love actors like Steve Buscemi. Like, what? Look at that face on that guy, right? Just an ugly mug. He's so ugly, but he's so great uh, to look at. Willem Dafoe. Oh, what a wonderfully imperfect face that guy has. And I'm not sure that there's many out there now. Like, I can't think of many actors, character actors that you're like, oh, look at the imperfections on that guy. Look at that. Remember when Gerard Depardieu was a sex symbol? Dude, if you don't know who this is, Google this monster now. He's a a great big fat person. Like, he's so alcoholic and bloated now. He was gross. Listen, real talk, he was gross when that movie Green Card came out. There's a movie called Green Card in the early 90s with him and... Andy McDowell because she was the hottie of the 90s too for a minute and this guy Gerard Depardieu is he was a French actor he is a French actor he's not dead yet but he will be soon and um there was a minute where he was considered a sex symbol (laughs) I, I didn't get it I was too young I was really young when this shit came out and Americans were like oh it's so French and he has this hideous potato nose and he was kind of hunched over and you know husky just lumbering awkward oaf and uh, for a minute the ugly guy was the sex symbol and it was super bizarre but um, yeah I don't know if that would happen today you know not like those pigs like Ryan Gosling (laughs) that's so gross Taylor Lautner Ugh, these pigs that they put in the movies these days. <laughs> Where, where's my Gerard Depardieu's? Nowhere. Nowhere. So there you go. Anyways, here's what I wanted to ask about. Um, this is going to sound really stupid, but I'm putting a call out there because I'm really fascinated with this subject. I realize the irony i me putting out a call on social media for this. But I'm hoping that one of you can help me. I would love to do an episode about going off the grid. And I'm aware that whoever would probably be doing that right now is not listening to my podcast. (laughs) So maybe you at one point were off the grid, uh, but you've rejoined us in society. Were you a hermit? Were you a homesteader? Were you a doomsdayer? Were you a tiny houser? (laughs) Just were you off the grid? Or were you a miser? That interests me too. People that don't pay for things. That's so funny. And you can live. You can totally live in this country off of people's garbage. And um, you can, you know, wheeze internet off your neighbor. You can, there's so, you don't even need cable now. You know, there's so many ways uh, that you can survive in this country because of the ridiculous amount of wealth and waste <laughs> you can live from dumpsters in this country that's how wealthy we are um, yeah wow so have you done it yourself do you know somebody in, in in who's off the grid I would love to talk to that person and uh, and hear some oh my god did you hear that oh it's so loud I hope you can hear this it's my neighbor it's my neighbor doing something on a Saturday Uh God, I hate her. Okay, but yeah, off the gridder, I'm very interested in hearing about this topic, so hit me up. Uh, that's bro Podcast at gmail.com. And there you have it. All right, guys, I got to go. I got to pack. I got I got a lot of shit to do. We got to move the studio, and I'm not looking forward to moving. It's a source of great anxiety. It's the worst. Uh, But we're moving to somewhere cool, and, and more space, and it's going to be great. And I will see you... Uh, next week. And uh, hey man, try to see yourself as a person, as a third person, the objective person. Monitor those thoughts. All right. All right, bros. Uh, Have a great week. I hope to see you at one of my live shows. I'm running my hour, like I said, and I would love to see you. And if you are at the show, come up to me and um, say hello because I do love meeting people who listen to the show or your mom's house for that matter. You guys are the best. All right, guys. Until next week, that's been Deep, bro.
1: Now what? I don't know. Philosophize Philosophize with with. 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 it.